Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to Far-Fetched Fables, part of the District of Wonders Network, featuring Starship Sofa, Tales to Terrify, Crime City Central, and Protecting Project Pulp. Everyone has a story in the District of Wonders. Come and find yours. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Wherever you are, wherever you're listening from, this is Far-Fetched Fables. Welcome to show number 119. I am your host, Nicholas eaton Clark. This week we bring you our first ever double feature, specifically two stories by the inimitable Beth Catto. Beth's alt-history novel, Breath of Earth, debuts on 23rd of August and introduces a steampunk twist on 1906 San Francisco with geomancy, world war and magical creatures. She's also the author of the Clockwork Dagger series from Harper Voyager. Beth is a Hanford, California native, transplanted to the Arizona desert where she lives with her husband, son and the requisite cat. Follow her at bethcatto.com and on Twitter. We'll begin with her flash fiction story, The Quest You Have Chosen Defies Your Fate, read by Geoffrey Welshman. Geoffrey recently wrote, produced, and voiced the reigning lunatic podcast, a medieval sitcom. He lives in Baltimore, Maryland, and you can find him online at jeffreywelshman.com. And now, The Quest You Have Chosen Defies Your Fate. <laughs> You are reading a book, and within that book, you now walk through the iron gates of the junior high school of your youth. You don't understand how you are reading of a real place within this old fantasy book of adventures you found in the closet of your childhood bedroom. These particular pages didn't exist before. Here in this volume that you read until its white spine was bowed, sway-backed, broken, Today you have fallen between the plot lines, the inked illustrations, the bookmarks you once placed at the major decisions you were asked to make. Yes, your cheating is known. The bookmarks are gone. You can no longer flip back to choose between releasing the unicorn on page 32 or continuing into the forest on page 210 or the various other forks in your literary path. Instead, you are at your old school, again. 
Fog shrouds the buildings and open corridors of the campus. A backpack weighs down your left shoulder. Your AD&D books must be in there. They were your lunchtime salvation, the one time each day you could cast magic spells. You were supposed to be a wizard, after all, to awaken one day with extraordinary powers. But you lived on contemporary earth, and reality shriveled the brilliant dreams that empowered you through the night. A boy emerges from the fog. Your first bully from fourth grade. Hey, stupid, he calls. Oink, oink, fat, ugly, stupid. Weeks and months of daily abuse are compacted into a torrent. Other figures emerge from the mist. That horrible boy from seventh grade math. The girls from eighth grade P.E. Your brother, frozen as he was at an angry twelve. Their jibes flow together and compete for precedence. You back away, then stop. Hopelessness clenches your throat like a zombie's hands. What's the point of resisting? It'll only continue tomorrow. You are doomed. That's why you sometimes read this book, and purposefully made the wrong choices, the ones that led to literary disaster. You were a loser in reality. May as well be a loser in an adventure book, too, right? The quarry was the quickest death, page 70. Or The Dragon's Lair, page 111. That had a nice illustration. Or Being Enchanted into an Eternal Stupor in the Witch's Cave, page 53. These pages knew your bitter laugh when you reached an intentional The End. Why are you still reading this book right now? These words revive the fatness and futility you knew at 13. Why did you even keep a book that evokes such terrible memories? because your fantasy wasn't constantly mired in despair. This book also brought hope that you could leave behind your podunk village, that your magic would manifest itself, that you could save the world, that you mattered. So many emotions are crammed between the pages, so many almost forgotten crumbs and stains. The bully mob swarms. Their words are like knives that pierce deeper than the open scissor blades you often held against your wrists. If you tore your eyes away from this page and pulled up your sleeve right now, you'd find the scars, those old tally marks, so stacked and close they're impossible to count. As a teenager, you thought your reality offered you no choices. Well, you have a choice now. You can hunch your shoulders, ignore them, you don't want to be a tattletale, not like the teachers would care anyway. Do you stand here and endure, as you once did? If so, turn to page 10. Do you start to run? If so, turn the page. You run. The backpack pounds your spine with each stride, but you won't drop it, not even to move faster. You won't let them take the one magic you possess, so you run. Your lungs and throat sear with the need for oxygen. Your body jiggles and quakes. Oh yes, their jeers on that ring out loud and clear. But you keep going through the fog, past the statue, past the band room. In reality, it wasn't until college that you really discovered running. It was mortifying at first, the rhythmic slap of butt cheeks and thighs. But for some reason, you kept waking up at five o'clock. The world looked different at that hour. 
full of potential, magic of a sort. You run, and you are a galloping unicorn, Hermes, the wind itself. Your feet devour the earth. You run across the basketball courts and through the field. The movement is easy now. You have found your groove. You're not running out of cowardice. You run because it sets you free. In a blink, a wall emerges from within the fog, the chain-link fence with its diamonds draped with dew. You slam into the wires. They chime and bounce you backward. Water droplets fling from the fence and shock you with cold. The fence falls away with a violent metallic shudder. There is no path ahead. There is complete openness. Everything goes to black. Turn the page. Congratulations, you are still alive. You're in your bedroom, leaning against musty cardboard boxes. You have returned from the spaces between the pages. Your hands are large as you grip the cover. You wear a ring. The high-pitched voices of your children carry from the backyard. Beyond them, you still hear the decades-old specters in the fog. Times like this, their catcalls are so loud that they penetrate reality. But you keep moving, even when you are still. You are swift and strong. Your choice is clear. Close the book. The End Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Beth says of this story, this is my first published story in second person. It's also a semi-autobiographical work. The emotions are true, though many of the personal details have been altered. This story is dedicated to the dear friends and teachers who provided me with bright lights in that dark time of junior high school. If you're in that darkness right now, start walking faster, and eventually you will be able to run. I'm cheering for you. Our second story by Beth is Cartographer's Inc., 
read by Martin Rito. Martin is an educator, writer, and musician. He's worked in an eclectic variety of fields, including 18 years as a technical writer and software developer, 16 years as a teacher of creative writing, computer science, and business communication, and shorter stints as a symphony musician and audiobook narrator. He has published short fiction and two collections of his poetry, available for purchase via the link in our show notes. And now, Cartographer's Inc. Not even the soothing heat of a full cup of tea could ease the agony in Sir Oren's hands. Each finger joint throbbed as if it contained a burning coal. He cursed, trying to cradle the cup between his palms, but the brew sloshed and speckled his velvet housecoat. Oren exhaled in frustration and set the cup aside. If he couldn't drink tea, how in the ten hells was he supposed to manage pen and ink? The secret of his painted hands had been kept as long because the king had no immediate need of him, and his other commissions had far-off deadlines. Oren claimed headaches, avoided the map room entirely, and tried every available concoction to heal his hands. Nothing worked. If King Atsu didn't see an update in his linked palace map soon, there'd be another messenger. His Majesty would already be marshalling his soldiers to march on Jal and reinforce the Grey Watchtower, so recently cut off by the meandering river. He must draw the new map lines to assert their claim against those Jalian ingrates. Orin heaved upright and hobbled towards the atelier. He dare not take the pen in his unsteady hand, and yet he must. King Atsu flogged his horse for being skittish on a windy day. Old men were far more expendable than a blooded stallion. Pride was Oren's downfall. He should have retired years ago, ignoring the pressure to celebrate forty years at his prestigious position. Or, had he possessed any brain, he would never have become royal cartographer at all. Never to dabble with red inks that took ten years for priests to steep and bless. Never to cope with courtiers whose moods shifted like a summer mid-afternoon sky. Just maps. His beloved sheets with lines of black and purple. The chance to study the curves and stones of the land. The joy of testing the enchanted spikes in the thousand places they stabbed the soil of Ken. A life of near poverty, perhaps, but wealth of a different sort. Maybe his wife would not have died five half-years past, leaving sweet Tavi motherless far too soon. His fingers quaked, reminding him of the dire circumstances of the day. Fool! Dreaming old fool! Reality remained harsh and hopeless, with not even an apprentice to aid him. That damn fool boy died in a drunken horse race two months ago, just as Oren's hands began to ail. With a half year of mourning to complete, Oren couldn't take a new heir to his craft. One curse atop another. If he were religious, he might surmise this was penance for his sins. He stopped in the hallway. The door to the map room was cracked open. His steps slowed as he leaned to peer inside. Tavi stood at the master map, pen in hand, 
Her lips moved in breathy hisses as arcane words dripped into the paper along with the red ink of Ken. Orin clutched at the door frame, barely breathing. For Tavi to even touch the priceless inks was treason. But to say the incantations, if the truth were known, punishment would be neither swift nor kind. He dared not startle her, lest she freckle the countryside like a pox. Orin mouthed the words, and as though unfurling a scroll, the kingdom of Ken revealed itself in his mind. The enchanted spikes hummed and sparkled like stars in midnight heavens, each bolt of metal aligned to an intersection on the grid-lined paper map. Over mountains and dipping through valleys, all across the living continent, black ink separated farm from town, sheep lots from cattle. Tavi's casting carried Oren's inner sight across the countryside to stop at the burbling and swollen river Nev. Red and blue inks floated atop the water like a thick sheen of oil. They oozed with the river's flow. The fresh blue ink stood bold and dominant, but Tavi's addition was fresher yet. Orin traced the red as his daughter's pen met the spirited map and appeared in physical form. A distant roar met Orin's ears. The soldiers in the gray watchtower saw the crimson line, the truest show of a royal cartographer's power, ink blessed by God, reassuring them of the rightness of their cause. How many soldiers would die against Jal in the coming days? These were mere boys, barely growing beards. He shoved the thought aside. They chose the sword. Oren opened his eyes. Tavi remained ignorant of his presence. She picked up the pen for white next, dipping the nib just so, and in smooth strokes blotted out the old border. The presence of enchantment carried through the air like hot cardamom. Brilliant, stupid girl. Even if Orin had thought to ask for her help, he wouldn't have. He'd done his utmost to discourage her from taking on a cartographer's cowl. Now she had made her choice, foolhardy as it was. If the king had the generosity to end the mourning period early, Orin could formally apprentice her. He held back a snort. King Atsu was only generous in cruelty. Orin waited until the red and white pens returned to their berths. Tavi, he said. Her head jerked back, loose brown hair rippling over her shoulders. God, she looked so much like her mother. Papa, her golden skin blanched. That map is priceless beyond compare. Thousands of lives balance on the actions of a pen. It's not a task for a fourteen-year-old girl of unbound hair. You cannot... And what of your life, Papa? She cut in, her gaze shrewd. He flinched. Yes, what of his life... You think you can hide it from me, the trembling, the pain? Her voice softened. If you can make it till Cleric's Day, you can resign your commission with honor. But that's more than half a year away. I remember what happened last year when Hensa lost the king's favorite cloak. He died of pneumonia in the jail. Papa, 
he and the king had the same wet nurse as babes. How would Atsu treat you? Tears flooded her eyes as she bit her lip. Orin took in a rattling breath. Better to let me accept my fate alone. I can't imagine the punishment both king and guild would extend to you for drawing on the spirited map, Tavi. You have not yet practiced your art on the property maps. Haven't I? She turned with a rustle of skirts, flinging her arms toward the tables that lined the periphery of the room. When were you last in this room, Papa? Weeks, mayhap a month. Dread soured his stomach as he walked the walls. Many of his non-royal commissions appeared ready to send. Neat black lines illuminated the redrawn road maps for the district south of the palace that had so recently burned. A map for a property dispute in the North Country contained careful forgeries of his own script in paper-bound purple ink. Ten others sat in a neat stack. Touching his hands to the papers, he could sense the rightness in the magic and how it's aligned with the earth itself. These smaller projects had always been his joy, his connection with the land more intimate, his clients less fickle. That and no one ever died by the actions of a black pen. I didn't know, he muttered. The deadlines were so distant. He rubbed his aching knuckles and palms together, feeling the burden of each gray hair and wrinkle. Papa, Tavi asked, how did I do? She pinched her lower lip between her teeth. Beautifully. He pressed a kiss against her ear, even as tears of worry burned in his eyes. But it's a dreadful burden you've undertaken. When I was little, you told me that red ink was worth the stable of the king's finest horses, and if I ever so much as walked within five feet of an open jar, you'd tie me over a nest of scald-bite ants. Though her tone was light, she focused her gaze on the massive map. He gave her arm a light pat. So I did. Lucky for you, it's not scald-bite ant season. Oren took his customary seat and studied the spirited map with his eyes. The red ink shivered on the page, and he grunted. Finish the invocation, girl. It's waiting for you. Oh, Tabby flushed. Magic danced from her tongue as the final words flowed. The red ink gelled on the map. Oren nodded his approval. Jal's own cartographer would see it now on paper and topography and she would offer a quick rebuttal. Always remember, Tavi, that this is no mere map. As my old master liked to say, royal cartographers peddle in ink, earth, and war. Orin paused. When he was a boy, he'd entertained the notion of training to be a soldier as his cousins had. Now, as an old man, he'd come to accept that he had slain more men by his pen than he ever could have by sword. He thought again of the boys in the watchtower. His fingers ached. Tingle swirled in his head, driving his attention to the paper map. The blue ink of Jal grew bolder, retracing their claim border around the tower. Papa, look! Tavi didn't point to the contentious border along the river Nev. 
Instead, she motioned to the drawn high peak just beyond their own city. A round letter took shape in flowing script, and its companions followed until the words were emblazoned for all to read. God's Will The stool's legs scraped across the floor as he rose to his feet. Come, he said. His old limbs gained new strength as he propelled himself up the stairs, down the hall, and burst open the door to the storage room. Tavi assisted him in wedging the bolt loose, and they threw wide the double doors to the balcony. Sure enough, there it was. Beyond the red, high-peaked roofs and the elegant spires of the palace, the impudent letters glinted like sapphires against the pale green hillside. Below, on the streets, almost everyone pointed and gawked. Up the hill, he could see the rider in Ken Crimson livery galloping their way. He could well imagine what the king would say to him now. Orange shut the two doors, his arms trembling. "'Jell can't do that,' said Tavi. "'They can't. One must never, ever use blessed ink to write words upon the spirited map. That's what plain purple is for.' Why, if their intention is war, what have they to lose? What is the censure of a cartography guild compared to that of a king and his legions? Orrin secured the door in the hallway. The king wouldn't be content with the redrawn border now. This called for a brilliant, showy response, and all Orrin had to show was clumsiness. Papa, her lips parted as if to speak, but she remained silent. He rubbed his bristled chin and sighed. There would be no time to shave. Can you call Ando into my quarters? I need to change into my silks, and I cannot manage the ties on my own. Papa, you're so certain that the king will want an audience? Already he heard the rapid knocking at the front door. Oren laid a heavy hand on his daughter's shoulder his fingers quivering like plucked harp-strings. <laughs> yes, I'm sure. This would not go well. The surety rested in his gut like a supper of crusty bread and stew. Still, Orin would make a good show of it. His red silks hung loose off his gangly frame and mashed his fine white-plumed hat. Tavi helped him belt a dagger at his hip, and Orrin adjusted it to rest at a jaunty angle. He admired himself in the mirror. Yes, he could still cut a fine figure when he chose. Tavi helped him roll the great map and secure it in a tube as long as a claymore. The travel-sized ink jars were checked for freshness and judged well. I love you, Papa, he said from the doorway, her words soft and warbling. He took a single step, then turned around. Tavi, tell me, do you wish to be royal cartographer some day? She shook her head, frowning. No, I want... Her voice trailed off. Yes? I want to draw property maps for the North Country. When I use black ink there, I can hear the birds sing. She tried to hide her blush behind her billowed sleeve. Orin nodded, a slow smile stretching across his face. Yes, yes you can, he said, and walked away. Tarrying would not help his situation, regardless of what awaited him, 
The palace guards welcomed him with stiff bows and escorted him within the gated courtyard. Abnormal hustle and bustle punctuated the arcade. Preparations for war were well underway, just as he had suspected. Sir Oren, King Atsu paced a long ornate rug in the map room. God, I thought you would never get here, my man. Did you see what they did, that affront? You must dispose of it, and then I'll dispose of them. Oren only nodded as he set his parcels down. Several of the royal attendants stepped forward, and with their gloved hands they spread the spirited map on the table and lined the edge with stones to prevent curling. The mate to Oren's map adorned the full wall at the end of the room. "'Well, are you going to eliminate those words?' the king's nostrils flared." Oren continued laying out his gear, setting the red vial in its wooden cradle. Your majesty must be patient. My guild guidelines, any violation or error must remain set in paper for a full day to remind the cartographer of his or her own humility. This was no error. This was a provocation. I order you to apply white ink immediately. I'm sorry, I cannot do that, Your Majesty. Once their ink has melted, it needs time to complete its drying on both paper and earth. If white is applied too quickly, the inks may wash. Would you prefer the entire hill be dyed in jaw blue? Or the city itself? No, the king's enthusiasm dampened. Well... If you can't eliminate their words, we must answer in kind. Oren scuffed his knuckles against his chin. He expected as much. The guild would not chastise him for issuing a response, but still, one didn't use red ink for words. Your Majesty, if I may suggest, avoid words, he said. Your troops will march on Jal soon enough. Let your swords be their answer. One of the attendants stepped closer, frowning and toying with the ermine trim of his cloak. And yet, your majesty, the cliffs over their capital would provide a fine canvas for your retort of choice. Swords would only reinforce your wisdom. Hmm, yes, yes indeed they would, said the king, stroking his smooth chin. Sir Oren, a response at this time is a necessity. Jal must know that Ken will not tolerate such an abuse of land and pen. Now I must think of the appropriate words. He resumed pacing along the rug. Damn the meddling sycophant, and damn the king for being so readily swayed. Orin checked his pens, then uncorked the blessed red ink. Acrid tank filled the air. He grappled the pen, trying to ignore the aching tremors that coursed the length of his arm. Gengatsu muttered as he walked. God is of pen? No, no. The river is but a river? No, no, that's too dreadfully long. Perhaps I should call a committee, but half my men are in the field readying to march. God, why must the jowl be so difficult? It's in their nature, your majesty, one of the other attendants soothed. Oren's tongue sat heavy in his mouth. The truth would be known. Forty years of reputation and career gone, and Tavi, sweet Tavi, 
He dared not even think on her, or the trembling in his hands would overtake his entire body. What about staying simple? the king asked, spinning on his heel. Perhaps just write, no, or the gray tower is Ken, or uh, go for the direct threat and pronounce that jaw will fall. How's that? Succinct and all too true, your majesty. Very well, Sir Oren. Sir Oren? His fingers twitched and searched for a steady hold on the pen. Uh, yes, your majesty? God, man, we're having a vital discussion here. Pay attention. Write, Jal will fall above their city. Ah, it even sounds poetic. Jal will fall, as will I, Oren thought. He licked his dry lips and gripped the pen tighter. He dipped the nib into the vial. The ancient words slid from his tongue, and the trembling claimed his fingers again, but Oren could not stop the words, not now, not at this critical juncture. The glass vial thudded against the table. Dread and horror almost strangled his throat, but the words flowed onward. Warm ink drenched the heel of his hand. He clenched his eyes shut in denial, even as the attendants and King Atsu gasped. After a dozen galloping heartbeats, he opened his eyes to witness the devastation. The vial had tipped at its rest, spreading a tide as bright as a severed artery. The capital of Jal drowned in red. In the thrall of ink and magic, Aura knew the panic in the distant city. Screams, crying children, frantic goats the sparkling waves washing over mud, over cobbles, with the ink so thick and unset, it tracked and sloshed underfoot. If someone stood on a normal line as it was drawn, the king may darken their souls for half a dozen footsteps. But this? Thousands upon thousands of footsteps reverberated through the fresh ink. He could feel the impressions the citizens' bodies made as they fell into the muck. The ink was not thick enough to drown them, but Oren gasped. Foundations faltered along one particularly steep hillside, and with an audible snap the old property lines broke as the building slid downhill. In a cascade the tenements and the crevice below ceased to be, the old lines drowning in rubble and ken red. Cacophony, chaos, red, Blood red. He forced himself to full consciousness. He dropped the pen to one side and lifted the wooden cradle upright and away from the map. The glowing ink continued to spread. Damn it all! That small vial had been open for twenty years and could have lasted a dozen more. The cost! No, he dared not think of the expense. It would hardly matter now compared to the loss of so many lives. Jallian lives, to be sure, but lives nevertheless. These were citizens, not soldiers. He tugged a rag from his case and mopped the red ink from his hand. His creased skin remained spiderwebbed in crimson. Oren's eyes burned with held-back tears. A whole hillside obliterated. The city. It was enough that his ink bolstered the soldiers, encouraging war time and time again— a baby's wail echoed in his mind. 
The king's lips held an unusual pallor. God, what have you done? Orin bowed his head. I apologize, your majesty. Regardless of the consequences, I should have addressed this first, but when it comes to men and their pride... Well, you should have told me what you had in mind. God, it's brilliant! Better than mere words. The people of Jal must be running and screaming through the streets. Ink as a weapon. It's perfect. The rare smile lit the king's face. Blood-red ink at that. Their streets will run red with the real thing soon enough. I'm glad you didn't tell me what you had planned, Sir Oren. Better to surprise me. <laughs> surprise us all. The king clapped his hands, and an attendant bowed. Have the captain ready my horse. We ride for the river Nev immediately. Oren stayed very still as he absorbed Atsu's reaction. The fool didn't know. Didn't realize. More of the old black boundary lines wavered, and Oren whispered the final words of setting to freeze the ink. Belated mercy to those already drenched in red. Leave your handiwork in place until I order otherwise, said King Atsu. That will be well beyond the single day required by your guild, I assure you. I can't get over this magnificent stain. It's ingenious. We must notify our own countrymen in case Jal should make a little counterattack. Thank God our hills are not as steep as theirs. With a wave of his hand, one of the attendants dashed away, undoubtedly to warn the mayor and the rest of the city. The king moved behind Orin and placed both hands on his shoulders. Anything else I can do? Anything else you need? Giddiness warmed his voice. Sir Oren sat up straighter underneath the king's touch. This was the moment. Yes, your majesty. The words were hoarse. If you sign a writ permitting an early end to the morning period of my belated apprentice, it would be much appreciated. The guild would fume over the exception, as would the boy's family. But such things could be soothed by time. At the very least, he could survive past half-year with his commission intact. He grimaced, staring at the spillage. Others would recognize this folly for what it was. An unusual request, but considering your devotion to my father, and now me, I shall grant it. The king snapped his fingers, and an attendant brought him pen and paper. He went to the other end of the table. Oren blotted more ink from his wrist and forearm as he studied the map and saw beyond the screams, the chaos, the ready swords. His parched throat ached as he swallowed. Within a minute the waiver was done, and King Atsu whirled from the map room with lackeys in his wake. The stone walls shuddered from trumpet blasts as the royal entourage galloped from the courtyard. After several attempts, Orin recorked the empty vial. Ink, earth, and war, he whispered, staring at his soiled hands against the map. This would be his legacy, a puddle of crimson, a legacy earned. Perhaps he should have been a soldier after all. Beyond the window, a bird warbled in song. Oren lifted his head, listening. No, this stain was not his entire legacy. 
Cavie would be a fine cartographer, one wise enough to never wear red ink on her hands. He thought again of what she said and smiled. Many years ago, Orrin had known where the birds of the North Country sang their sweetest. Perhaps they awaited him still. As for this story, Beth has said, I think most writers have a story or concept in their head that they just can't get to work on paper. That was my experience with Cartographer's Inc. This was the story that made return trips to critique groups and endured revision after revision. It sat on my computer for months at a stretch, simply because I didn't know how to salvage it. Years passed. I decided to give revisions another go, and here we are today. It's an amazing feeling of joy and relief for the tale to finally be presented to readers. Both of Beth's stories originally appeared on the Daily Science Fiction website. DSF and many of the authors it has featured have been generous in providing us with stories over the past two years, for which we thank them dearly. Be sure to check out their website and consider subscribing. I get a little ding in my inbox every day, and I love it. If you'd like to share your thoughts on this or any of our stories, you can leave your comments on the Triple F website, our Facebook page, or on Twitter. We love hearing from our listeners, and we really do want to know your thoughts on our content. Please remember that Farfetched Fables operates under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 3.0 license. And what does that mean? It means you can download this content, you can share it with friends and neighbours, but you can't change it, and you really can't sell it. Be sure to give credit where credit is due, and all other copyright remains that of the authors. Violators will find that the pen is indeed mightier than the sword. Dear listeners, it's been a long day. I'm off to bed. Have yourself a great one. Bye now. This presentation has been brought to you by the District of Wonders Network, dedicated to podcasting the finest genre fiction. You can learn more about the District of Wonders and their many literary productions at their website, www.districtofwonders.com. Thank you for listening. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible Irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.